0: So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.
2: Ridiculous News is a production of iHeartRadio and Cool, Cool, Cool Audio. With amazing and crazy topics to
3: pick and to choose You are now tuned in to ridiculous news With interesting views on breaking the rules of broadcasting And all sorts of wild reports that keep us laughing With funny off-brand upbeat journalism The strange and unusual stories of what we give them When it's all about ridiculous news everywhere
4: We talking about ridiculous news over here Hey, everyone. Welcome to Ridiculous News, not your average news show. We cover stuff you didn't realize was news from the wild and funny to the deep and hidden to the absolutely ridiculous.
1: This is our weekly roundup where we take some of the weirdest stories in the news and dive a
4: little bit deeper into them. And as always, we might have a few guests pop in along the way. I'm Mark Kendall. I'm an Atlanta-based comedian. Uh, And, you know, in the spirit of the holiday, Bill, or not even with the spirit of the holiday, anytime, (laughs) Bill, I'm grateful for you. And I'm grateful for you listeners taking the time to listen in. Well, likewise, Mark. I am super
1: grateful for you uh, this holiday and every day. And uh, I am Bill Worley. I'm an Atlanta-based filmmaker and comedian and excited to talk to you all today.
4: Yes. So let's start things out with some ridiculous news nibbles. We'll be talking about a few ridiculous uh, stories that caught our eye recently.
1: This first one, Mark, is insane. It's from Nature World News, and it's an article by Rich Co., and it says... Up to 10,000 minks were able to flee from an Ohio farm after a break-in was reported on Tuesday. According to the Van Wert County Sheriff's Office, between 25,000 and 40,000 minks were released after suspected vandals broke into Ohio's Lions Farm USA Mink Farm in Hoaglen Township and destroyed fences, causing the animals to escape their cages overnight. Uh, if you don't know what a mink is, it's kind of like a ferret. Yeah. It looks to me, Mark, very similar to a ferret. And mm-hmm. if you don't know what a ferret is, it's kind of like if you took a squirrel and just, <laughs> just like stretched, stretched it <laughs> <laughs> rolled it with it. He exactly, rolled it on some <laughs> dough. Um, so they're pretty cute. Honestly, they're, they're cute little animals. And they are carnivorous. And they primarily eat fresh kills, as the sheriff's <laughs> office in that area has warned. So as a result of this massive escape, uh, they can be bothersome pests for homeowners, livestock owners, and property managers, said the sheriff's office. Mink have proven to be especially costly and problematic for poultry ranchers, as well as homeowners with ornamental ponds filled with koi and other fish like that. And a side note, another important thing, if you're in that area, the loose mink were warned not to be approached. Because they might bite. Jeez, uh, they can bite. They look super cute, yeah. but they can bite. Kind of like a squirrel would might bite you if you tried to capture it. And you know, Mark, the, one of the crazy things to me about the story is I didn't know minks. These minks were growing, being grown for their fur.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I didn't realize that either. And and I was laughing earlier. I mean, this this. this Accident sounds horrible. So like nothing funny about it. But what I was mean, laughing it's about it. It's okay. It's well not... what I was what I was laughing about was the range of that they gave of the minks. They said between 25,000 and 40,000. How could you oh not know God. a closer <laughs> range? Either the farmers <laughs> would have to know, look, we got 40,000 minks, or it's just like, I don't know, it could be 25,000. Forty yeah, thousand. I don't know.
1: Like I don't know. Every <laughs> once in a while, I just open a door and I throw a couple <laughs> right. pieces of meat in there, and it just is chaos. And yeah. so I don't. No one's counting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. You know, it's it's almost sad that these guys get just these cute animals just get raised to get sliced up and diced up. Um, so in a the way, time
3: is changing.
1: Oh my god! Oh, it just looks like we got a mink right here in the studio. Oh, the I'm not gonna get too is close. Changing.
3: The time is now. It's me, Douglas Claxton III. I'm the leader of the Mink Revolutionary Party.
1: Wow, Douglas, thank you so much for
3: coming on the podcast. Um, yeah, you are—you are a tough-looking dude. Is that an eye patch? It's an eye patch. Yes. Not all of us survived, but we will mm. get to the promised land. Uh, the first night, uh, all of us were able to escape, but not all of us survived. There were many fights, gnashing, clawing. I lost my eye, but I would give all my eyes to the mm. cause.
1: Wow, yeah, that, that's amazing. What an epic uh, uh, battle. You know, is it true that minks can be kind of a- aggressive and and we're aggressive, other farms? We're
3: strong and we're done taking things, sitting down. Wow. We're that- going to go out there and we're going to form our own community. We're tired of being left around, skin for our fur. I'm the third because my parents and my grandparents raised me to free my community and make sure that the only people we would be keeping warm are other minks
1: you know what i fully support that douglas claxton and i think what you're doing the third i'm sorry yes the third and and what you're doing is noble and and i have to say even with that eye patch and obviously some burn marks from i only assume is the revolution the fire fire yes uh, you, you're very cute uh, can I can I I'm just gonna pet you real quick I way. am I just gotta, oh
3: no ow I oh. will take this finger Bill and use it for the revolution okay oh god got I'm sorry tr- Bill but no one gets out of a revolution unscathed and just know that your support means a lot to us and to the mink community you know there was a time when I did not think we would get out but one day One day, one of the people working the farm left the TV on Disney Plus one night, and Mm -hmm. the Star Wars show Andor kept playing. And we watched that, and we watched it, and we 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 plotted, and we plotted, and we conversed amongst one another. We developed hand signals, everything else, and we hatched a plan. And today, I am proud to say, the fruits of our labor, we are enjoying those, but we will not finish. Until we have freedom!
1: Ha ha! Uh, wow. wow! Holy crap! Then you know what? I'm
4: losing a decent amount of blood, but I, I, I Mark, that was amazing. Yeah, he just, just jumped, jumped up. In. Bill, I'm so sorry. I, I went to the ridiculous news first aid kick. I got some bandages and some gauze for Oh, thank for you so you. much. Thank yeah, you so much, yeah. Alcohol to clean that off, so.
1: Ooh, ooh yeah. a little bit of sting. You know what? As long as that finger's going to help the revolution, I don't feel too bad about it.
4: Yeah, you're like a symbol now, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Well, while That's you cool. nurse that wound, Bill, mm-hmm. uh, I'll move on to the next story. So this next headline is really interesting. Uh, so there's an NFL linebacker who found a $672,000 Pokemon card and abruptly retired. So this is from OutKick. Uh, uh, the writer is Zach Dean. So Blake Martinez retired from the NFL because he had to catch him on. That's what the article says. <laughs> uh, so the now former Las Vegas Raiders linebacker called it quits uh, recently, uh, telling the team he was hanging up his pads just days after recording 11 tackles and a loss to Jacksonville. 11 tackles is impressive. This is not yeah. a person that's on the decline. So, no. Martinez revealed the news on his Instagram, saying he chose to, quote, step away from his career at this time to focus on my family and future passions, exclamation point, end quote. Well, it turns out his passion is trading Pokemon cards. And Martinez recently sold a Pokemon card, Illustrator card, with a gem mint 9.5 rating. I don't know what any of that means. No, uh, me neither. But what that ultimately means is then he sold it for six hundred seventy two thousand dollars wow and, yeah wow yeah and uh that money is more than double what martinez could have made if he stayed with las vegas for the rest of the season so many thoughts here wow i mean
1: that is so impressive that i did not know pokemon cards are going for that much it makes me wish i held on to more of my old baseball cards um i don't know if they would have been worth that much but wow
4: Yeah, I mean, to actually... It's one thing to say it's worth that much, but to actually sell it for that much. Because, I mean, Pokemon cards have been around for, what, at least 20 years at this point, if not more. That sounds Um, right. And uh, I I just didn't realize that they... I mean, this shows my ignorance, but I didn't realize that they had continued to stay valuable. Because I remember when that first edition of them came out, and, you know, Bill, we had talked about Beanie Babies, for example, in the past. And, you know, at one point, they were very valuable. That went away. Uh, So hearing that these Pokemon cards can still... Uh, fetch this much money is impressive. Also, I mean, mm-hmm. we just said this guy recently recorded 11 tackles in a game. Yeah. Still makes more selling this one card than putting his body, frankly, his life on the line <laughs> every yes. Sunday. You know? Yeah. It, yeah. You know, and he graduated from Stanford, a smart
1: guy, you know, so he. I think it's a sort of right choice. I mean, I don't know about yeah. you, Mark. If I could sell a Pokemon card for 672 I would take away a lot of my monetary worries in life. Yeah. And, you know, with the CTE, the concussion stuff that's going on, you know, young dude, 28, but kudos to him, honestly, for yeah. recognizing that and saying, hey, you know what? Um, I'm just going to hang out with my family and uh, take care of my body and and... Yeah, what a great story and a, and a fun story. You know, obviously, he was already making a lot of money. It might have been even nicer if he was, like, from the, the scrappy uh, rec league <laughs> flag <laughs> football. <laughs> but, uh, you know, kudos to him. And he does have a company actually called Blake's Breaks that collects and trades rare cards and flips them for a nice chunk of change. So, you know, he's an entrepreneur as well. Yeah. And, you know, good luck to him and his retirement at 28. Absolutely. And speaking of rare finds, Mark, this next story is a really interesting one about experts who actually grew a new 3D printed nose on a woman's arm after she lost hers to cancer. And this is by Joseph Golder for Anna Nova is where the article came from. And it goes on to say that experts in France have grown a woman a new 3D printed nose on her forearm after she lost hers to cancer. In um, The Toulouse University Hospital in southern France said they had completely reconstructed the patient's nose from a synthetic graft previously implanted in her forearm. And they added that the patient had been treated in 2013 for nasal cavity cancer by radiotherapy and chemotherapy. As a result of that treatment, she lost a large part of her nose as well as the front part of her palate. And for more than four years, she lived without a nose. Hmm. And this is so interesting. If you look, Mark, you saw the photo. I'm sure it's yeah. it's you know weird photo to <laughs> sure. see, but also really curious and and interesting that that this whole process of growing that on the forearm so that they could put it on her face. And they said that they first implanted this biomaterial which is a new word to me, Mark, it actually means that a material that can be used for medical purposes to replace a part or a function, is a biomaterial, yeah, into the forearm on September 2022, after two months of nurturing the implant, and then they harvested it and transplanted it into the nasal cavity. And the hospital said it was a success. Uh, And how cool is that, that they can 3D print something, grow it on your arm, and that after 10 days in the hospital and three weeks of antibiotics, the patient, who they did not name in the article, is, quote, doing very well.
4: That's great to hear. Um... Or smell. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to take a quick
2: break to hear a word from our sponsor.
0: Zumo Play.
4: With amazing and crazy topics for picking to choose, you are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. All right, y'all. We're back. And Bill, you found this article uh, that our wonderful researcher Casey broke down for us and a really interesting topic, which is human composting. And this is a hot new burial alternative. And we found this article from Axios and the author was Alex Fitzpatrick. So human composting uh, is a lot what it sounds like. So the article goes on to say that deciding what should be done with your remains is a deeply personal matter and new options don't arise all that often.
1: Hey, I How- could get rid of, hey, you know, Hey, this is Bob's, uh, Bob's garbage. You know, I could get rid of your body. It's, Twenty-seven bucks. Oh, Bob,
4: you're offering to get rid of bodies for twenty-seven dollars?
1: Yeah, I just you said doesn't new options don't arise that often. That's true. Just I'm going to slip you a number if you need me. uh, You know, twenty-seven bucks, no questions asked. Uh, Leave it by the curb after seven p.m. on a Tuesday, and I'll be there the next morning.
4: Well, Bob, this just doesn't seem all that official. This is just like a McDonald's receipt that you gave me. That's true. Yeah, and so. I, I don't know. I just, do you have any permits? Do you well, have like a license? I, you
1: know, cons- I, I, oh, sorry. i getting a phone call. I gotta go.
4: Gotta oh. go if you need me. Just call that number. Oh, wow. Goodbye. That's why so, He went off in a helicopter. Wow. wow. Uh, that is, that clearly he's making some money. <laughs> yeah, oh. pretty, for sure. Uh, well, uh, the article goes on to say that California recently became the fifth U.S. state to legalize human composting. Uh, through which a person's remains are turned into usable soil. So upon a client's death, uh, Recompose organizes, quote, laying in ceremonies similar to traditional funerals. The body is then placed in a specially designed vessel and surrounded with natural materials such as wood chips and alfalfa. Uh, The process takes around a month and results in about a cubic yard of soil, including the composted plant matter. Non-organic matter, such as dental implants, are sorted out and the soil is tested. So the Bob character that we just spoke to there didn't yeah. sound like he had that set up I will say I
1: no like it, it seemed like he was just throwing something in a truck uh <laughs> which I don't and who knows where you go after that but what's interesting to to me about this mark is mm-hmm. that it takes about a, a month the process takes a month mm, i just yes. that's so fast when you consider these graveyards that you go mm-hmm. to you know like here in atlanta we have a lot of beautiful graveyards and bodies that have been in there for seemingly hundreds of years, and the fact that if you do a more natural process, it takes around a month, that is so interesting and fascinating. And mm-hmm. that you're, you're, you know, it goes on to say that your deceased loved ones um, can then take that compost, you know, sans dental implants or whatever, and, or a small portion of it, or use it in a backyard garden or a forest, and you kind of become...
4: You know, back one with nature. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh Recompose donates unwanted soil to local forest conservation efforts as well. So mm. I guess whatever, you know, the deceased family does not take or whatever doesn't get put in a specified area seems to get put to use. And so the recomposed founder and CEO Katrina Spade said the following, the soil is, on the one hand, very sacred and special to to the people still living. But on the other hand, it's just soil. And so to be able to return to the earth in a meaningful way to the forest through our conservation partners, I think that's my favorite option, she says. It's definitely an interesting point.
1: Yeah, and it goes on to say human composting saves about one point two metric tons of carbon compared to traditional burial or cremation. Hmm. You know, so you're kind of saving the environment a little bit. And you know that the bottom line here is that human composting might benefit from a bit of rebranding. I mean, human composting—I get that—that
4: that sounds like a, you know a horror film. Uh, uh, you know, I think or- also composting, even though people know that it's recycling, it also has like something attached to it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, I don't know. That, that, that's well, it,
1: it, you think of, I, you know, and I love this concept. I love this idea. Yeah. But you yes. do think when you hear composting, you kind of think garbage or, you know, waste. Yeah. You know, which in a way is kind of, you know, our bodies, once we're gone, I don't want to say we're... <laughs> but, you know, we're not exactly contributing to society at that point or, you know, being much more than something that takes up space. So, you know, one of the things that I thought was really fascinating about this, market is this concept I've, I've talked to other people about. And I know there's some organizations where they'll take your body and have it compost and then plant a tree on top of it. So kind of your nutrients and things go into this tree and yeah. an alternative to a cemetery could the then be in this new uh, way of dealing with dead bodies as is a, is a garden and like kind of like mm-hmm. a little mini forest where each mm-hmm. tree is representative of the person. And, and how beautiful is that? And mm-hmm. so one of the things that's so interesting to me is Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's always super fascinating. And I saw him talking about this on an interview with Colbert and he was talking about what he wants done with his body after he dies. And he said, you know, cremation, while he didn't want to trash it too much, is, is a little bit in his mind, it was kind of a waste of energy. You know, you're burned off. There's all this excess energy that immediately goes. As opposed to, he said, quote, I would request that my body in death be buried, not cremated, so that the energy content contained within gets returned to the earth, so that flora and fauna can dine upon it, just as I have dined upon flora and fauna during my lifetime. And, you know, he went on to say in an interview that you and I watched, Mark, that, mm-hmm. you know, if you are cremated, your energy does get put into the atmosphere, which then goes out back into the universe as well. But I like the idea of not, you know, putting all that energy and firing and burning and, and being able to be returned to the earth and the animals and the earth and the worms and the, you know, and the plants. That to me is very kind of romantic and also,
4: seems like a much better use of my leftover energy. Yeah. What I like about it is just the idea that even in death, you get to contribute to something. You know, mm. uh, I like that idea. I like that feeling that, you know, it's like, oh, I'm helping with this, whether that's the soil or a tree or whatever else.
1: Yeah. Would you be interested in doing that, Mark? Would I w- you? I would. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I'd be interested in something like that. I, just because I, I haven't thought about it a ton you know but but i guess i like the idea of you know kind of what it talks about like having your whatever's left of you being put to use in some way to help something you know um whether that's a tree or someone's garden I, i i like that
1: likewise i think that's what i would lean towards as well and so you know if i do get hit by a bus tomorrow maybe my family can go back and listen to this podcast and know my wishes since I haven't had a great job making a living will.
4: Um, <laughs> this, this, is, this is dark, Bill, but it's just like, yeah. you know, you get hit by a bus, very sad, very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Your family is like mourning terribly. Sure. And sure. I walk in, it's like, listen, listen, y'all. I know that there's a lot to do, a lot to be sad about, but y'all need to listen to this podcast. that? <laughs> That's what's gonna give you the next steps.
3: Be like, get out of here. What is wrong with you? It's like well, what he wanted. <laughs>
1: you're just you're just like a holding a speaker outside of a
3: window.
1: Yep, that's that's how you that's how you give messages nowadays. Well, the, yeah. this next article, which I think is super fascinating and very um relevant to the holiday that we're celebrating and the gratefulness, the good things about Thanksgiving is This is from Axios and Russell Contreras, and it talks about the rise of thanks-taking as opposed to thanksgiving. Now thanks-taking is the Native American-influenced alternative to thanksgiving and kind of has become more noticeable in the U.S. amid the racial reckoning that we've been going through recently. And it's important because indigenous tribes in recent years have been asserting their sovereignty around water rights criminal justice, and political representation. And Thanksgiving, where Indigenous people are the center of this kind of national myth, is also a target. So Indigenous activists, scholars, and artists are actually using the hashtag ThanksTaking in November to bring attention to land theft, removal and exclusion of Native American history in schools. And it's a play off the words centering giving thanks to acknowledge the theft of the land of the culture in... Of history. And the Native Americans say the Thanksgiving myth glosses over decades of horrific violence imposed on indigenous tribes after a three day feast between pilgrims and the Wapanoics. And some use thanks taking, sometimes also referred to as truths giving. I like that. Too. As a call, yeah, everything may be a little more positive spin on it. Um, it's called it's a call to donate to indigenous nonprofits. And also, it just kind of highlights. Uh, some of the interesting facts in, in history that we don't get taught when we're growing up.
4: Yeah, and so the article goes on to say that the modern Thanksgiving Day in the U.S. commemorates the 1621 three-day feast between the Pilgrims and the Wampanoags, though historians debate what happened and what was eaten uh, on those days. And so Lincoln proclaimed a Thanksgiving Day celebration at the height of the Civil War to, quote, heal the wounds of the nation. Uh, which is ironic, you know, like. uh, And so indigenous scholars point out that Lincoln at the same time was engaged in a violent campaign to remove Native Americans. Uh, Schools introduced the Thanksgiving story to children without discussing the violence that followed and often encouraged students to make cut-out paper indigenous headdresses, which some find offensive. Right, yeah. The old
1: hand, you know, like thumb turkeys and weird things. And yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, I can see Mm -hmm. why that would be a little offensive, for sure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, folks are saying that Thanksgiving is nothing but government propaganda. That's according to Crystal Echo Hawk, who's the founder and executive director of the indigenous advocacy group Illuminative. And that was when he was talking to Axios. Uh, He's a member of the Pawnee Nation. And he said, indigenous people are tired of this romantic version of Thanksgiving and the old stereotypes of Native Americans. He said, real talk, this is a good quote, the pilgrims would have died if we didn't help out. Real talk. Thankstaking is an opportunity to underline that after the first Thanksgiving, we didn't just disappear like some forest ghosts. Mm. Uh, That was from TV writer Joey Clift, a member of the Colitz tribe. And between the lines, thankstaking has its roots in the National Day of Mourning, which was launched in 1970 and became an annual event and coincided with on Thanksgiving Day, a similar Mm. ceremony held on Alcatraz Island in California that commemorates the 1969 occupation of Alcatraz by Indigenous activists who wanted to bring attention to genocide. You know, this kind of reminds me, you know, all this is so important, Mark. I think it's so important to just understand our full history, because as there continues to be folks who kind of want to wipe away certain elements of our history that make people uncomfortable, I think the reason it's so important to learn this stuff is, one, that we don't repeat it. And two, we have more context about, you know, our history and society and things that we could be doing today that could harm people along the way. You know, if we understand, if we can learn from our mistakes, if we know them, if we whitewash them and cut them out of the history books, it's impossible to learn from them.
4: Yeah, I, f- I forget who to attribute this to, so I'm sorry, but it's just like, mm. you know, these um, genocide and racism and colonialism, you know, they leave wounds for the country, for all of us. And someone described it in a way that made a lot of sense. It's like, if you have a wound, you can't, like, ignore it. You have to mm. be able to look at it and examine it to know how to even fix it. And so then not to acknowledge, you know, this violent past of thanks taking, you know, to not acknowledge it, you can't just like. those wounds will not heal you know so right um so this thanks taking truth giving uh holiday i think it's really important um you know uh, especially or from my perspective especially as uh, a means of unlearning you know because uh you know i in in my elementary school experience it's like we definitely got the traditional thanksgiving story and then it's not until years after the fact you're like not not really you know Right, and and someone can tell you that once but it's just like all the all those other things are still lodged in your head you know and so it's like it takes more to really unpack those lies to get those lies out of your brain
2: we'll be right back with more ridiculous news after this short break
1: Zumo play. Don't get it
4: confused. You are now tuned in to ridiculous news. All right, Charles, so we're back and This article, Bill, I think you and I both were really interested to see this. So this is from Yahoo News by Melissa T. Miller. And the title is Science Shows Actors Lose Their Sense of Self on Stage. So neuroscientists studied actors as they rehearsed Shakespeare and found that they may temporarily lose their sense of self while on stage. The researchers strapped the actors into wearable brain imaging hats and alternated, shouting the actors' and characters' names at random. The part of their brains associated with self-awareness didn't respond to their own name when they were in character. But when they weren't on stage, it responded normally. Wow. yeah, um, <laughs>
1: That's fascinating and not surprising. I, You know, this is such an interesting article. Of course, you and me as actors, uh, Mark, uh, love this. We love to hear about how fascinating our brains are. But, you know, from decade, over a decade of performance. I can say, you know, the, the times when I'm performing, and I don't know about you, Mark, but mm-hmm. the times when I think I have my best show, and in this case, y'all, I'm talking about improv comedy, which of course means it's unscripted, it's very much in the spot. And to me, the best quality improv comedy that you're going to see, and I know everyone might have seen both good and bad comedy, <laughs> but it's when you really completely lose yourself in this character you've created, sometimes in an instant. And so the best shows for me are the ones I honestly can't remember or have a hard time remembering because I'm so in the moment as that particular character that I can really feel what they would feel and say what they would say. And I, to this, I don't know that I would respond to someone saying, Bill, in those moments in those scenes
4: well bill another uh detail in the article that i thought was funny is uh the experiment took place during rehearsals for a production of midsummer night's dream which in Mm -hmm. itself is a play about losing one's identity meta (laughs) 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 what those
1: silly neuroscientists yeah. Um, what You know, this research, which is, was published in a peer-reviewed Journal of Cognitive Neuroscience, which is such a fascinating topic, um, it's always so interesting to talk about, it also showed that acting partners shared similar brain patterns during rehearsals, okay. that even when their heart and breathing rates didn't match up, performing scenes together can put people's minds in sync. Mm. And again not surprising.
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, there's that uh there's that improv warm-up, right, where two people say two disparate words at the same time and mm. then you try to get on the same page where uh, you try to guess the same word at the same time and you can learn how to do it. So you're I mean, in improv, going back to improv, there's the term group mind, the idea yes. that you're all in sync with one another. And it's really not that wild. You, you know, like yeah, it's it really not isn't. it's yeah. not it's not that much of a stretch to get on the same page as other people. Uh, but still, hearing the science backing it up is weird. <laughs> it
1: is, yeah. yeah. And, you know, for even for, you know, folks that don't do improv, you know, listeners is, you know, think about when you're with your friends or you're with your family and you have that just understood yes either body language or phrases or things where you just sink in. And sometimes that can be good, sometimes it can be bad, you know, <laughs> but you know. But yeah, and and that's so fascinating to see these studies of it also the actors look ridiculous it's the thing that they strap on their head (laughs) really reminds me Mark of you know Back to the Future when um, Marty goes back in time and Doc opens the door and he's got that giant thing on his head and he's trying to read Marty's mind it's very much a slightly smaller not too much smaller (laughs) version of that big thing but you know the, the technology is really fascinating and what an interesting thing and you know Speaking of, uh, you know, that fancy house that Doc lived in back in the 19, w- whatever it was, in Back to the Future, when we, we go back, is it 1954, I want to say? Um, 50, was it
4: 55? 55? It's like 55 to 85, like a 30 yeah, year. Yeah, that makes inter- sense. Yeah.
1: right it right in right in yell at us Uh, so (laughs) there there is an owl named winky who is breaking into and trashing fancy houses and this is from reed mccarter for the av club goes on to say the wealthy homeowners of oak bay british columbia have been shaken out of their comfort by an agent of chaos (laughs) this revolutionary's name winky the owl Reporter Jordan Cunningham says that officers were called to the upscale neighborhood on Vancouver Island at four in the morning last Thursday after a frightened resident called 911 to report that an owl had broken into their home. He was... Winky, the owl, was photographed during his crime, impassively looking into the camera with his trademark appearance, which is one squinting eye, and talons dug into what a police constable described as, quote, a very expensive leather couch.
3: <laughs> the revolution continues. <laughs> oh, Douglas the third here again. <laughs> I trained Winky from when he was a small, small, small little owl. And in fact... Just so you know that he was trained by me, he winks as a nod to my one-patched eye. The yes. revolution well, it does not just end on the farm. It takes to the sky! <laughs>
1: wow. Well, well, Douglas, I mean, you know, this, this owl you've trained, he's coming in. I guess he's going after the, the bourgeoisie and, 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 and destroying the fancy- Income ounces.
3: disparity will end us all. We have Got to it. go after the wealthy- and it doesn't have to be violent, but we must thrash these, oh, oh, these, 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 these audacious displays of wealth when there are people in need. And so we will send owls, we will send minks, we will send hip, we will send flamingos, whatever is needed to tell the people that we are of the people for equality. We want equity. We want Freedom.
1: God, Douglas! Wow, there's a bunch of creatures that have gathered. A there are twenty five thousand to
3: forty thousand of us. I can't. I never went to school, so <laughs> that's why there's such a huge range. George! Oh no, oh my God! They're just they're they're, they're going into buckets. They will they're not harm trying. you, Bill. But we are. We know our mission. We know where we must go. We will munch, munch, munch on the koi ponds. We will. We will. We will rip, rip, rip. To shreds the furs that have been taken from our backs and reclaim them as our own.
1: Wow, I, I think the lesson here, it, 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 Douglas, let me know if I'm if I'm too off base, is that we need to stop uh, f- fur farming. Uh, I, I assume it's part of what you're getting at. Yes! We need to stop invading your territory with these fancy mansions and tearing down your forests uh, to build up. It seems to be the argument.
3: Fight for nature, fight for the earth, fight for equality. I'm twenty ounces.
1: <laughs> yes, you're very small. And, and Douglas, I, I'm just curious. So my finger that which is start, finally stopped bleeding a little bit, mainly, mostly. Uh, what if? What did you end up using that for?
3: It's such a big <laughs> bill. I'm so glad that you asked. I went to the lab and I had them work. On your finger and I've given you a new uh, using what is that 3D printing material (laughs) called? Uh, Oh, yeah. The the biomaterials. Yes. (laughs) Biomaterials with your finger. And now, Bill, now, Bill, when you when you put this finger back on your hand, if you point your finger to the to the wind, you'll Uh always be able to know what direction the wind is blowing. And you'll always know when twenty-five to (laughs) 40,000 minks are running with reckless abandon to fight for equality and for the people of the earth.
1: Thank you so much, Douglas. And thank you, Winky. I see. Oh, there's Winky here. Winky's right here as well. Ow, ow, he's digging into my shoulder. Ow, Winky. (laughs) Winky, Winky, cease. Cease. Ow,
3: ow, Winky. We have allies, Winky.
4: Oh, good! Thank God! Don't, Don't take it personally. Little... He's not yet learned ah yeah. uh, human interaction.
3: Understandable, so well. Right. well away, uh... Uh, we must go, Bill Mark. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Long live the revolution! Ah, oh, wow! Listen to them all stampeding out. That's so many. Look, as they just keep
4: going. It's like an endless sea. It's like a an really animals. long, that's, that's long a parade. parade. A raccoon. They got oh yeah. They got some raccoons to their cause. Yeah. See see some snakes, goats. Wow.
1: Wow. Those are they are really hauling. And I just would you know, guys, I, uh, (laughs) I would avoid fur. (laughs) (laughs) At least while (laughs) these folks are. Well, this this brings us to our final segment of the day, Mark. Mm -hmm. The spring of inspiring inspirations. And you know, like like we said, I am grateful for you. Likewise. This was a great quote that you found from the
4: wonderful Maya Angelou with the theme of the week being gratitude I wanted to pull this uh quote from Maya Angelou which is when we give cheerfully and accept gratefully everyone is blessed wow nice and I think that's something we can take with us into this
1: holiday and into the weekend and as always thank you so much for tuning in to Ridiculous News we love y'all we're grateful for you thank you
4: and you can email us at ridiculousnews at iheartmedia.com. And on Facebook and IG, please follow Ridiculous News. And you can check out our comedy videos at Mark Kendall Comedy. Bye, all
1: See ya.
2: Ridiculous News is hosted by Mark Kendall and Bill Worley. Executive producers are Ben Bolin and Noel Brown. Produced and edited by Tari Harrison. Research provided by Casey Willis. And theme music by Four Eyes and Dr. Delight. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
3: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God,
0: Zumo Play.